Welcome back to another edition of Runs in the Family. It's Wednesday. I'm your host, Dink, along with Kevin. And I'm going to start out by this morning, me and Kevin were running a little 10-mile run, doing our usual thing. You know, temperature's getting warm out there, wasn't it? Yeah, it's getting warm. Those last few miles are getting hard. And um, I said, Kevin, I've got, I, got a, I got a plan for the uh, podcast today. He goes, I said, we got a special guest. And he's like, who, who we got? I said, Wayne Smith. What'd you say? I said, I don't know Wayne Smith. He said, I don't know Wayne Smith. And that's another good reason that I have Wayne here today. Wayne, say hello. Hello there, everyone. You folks that don't know Wayne, me and Wayne, I'm going to have to go way back, Wayne. Did we meet for the first time, I think, Cotton Row Run, 1981-ish, right around there. It was the first or the second Cotton Row Run. My mom and Jack, of course, you remember mom and the late Jack Wilson, they had a little get-together at their townhouse up there on Tollgate. Well, remember that. And I think that's the first time we met. I well, think I was 15 years old. Well, actually, I met you wow. years earlier when you were just a little boy and you were here in town. <laughs> and uh, Jack had uh, you that week, I guess, or weekend. Yep. In any event, we met. And I well recall you, and maybe you were eight, nine years old. In any event, what I call a schoolboy. But... Uh, I actually recall that day and that place. I'll talk to you another time about some. Wow. Sometime. But, uh, yes, I guess that uh, as far as your memory goes, that was a memorable evening we had together. Yeah, it was uh, It was Memorial Day, and I had run Cotton Row. It may have even been the very first Cotton Row. It was the first or the second one. I remember Joyce was there. Um, I believe that was the first one. That we went to Jack's house after that. Yeah, race. I think you're right. I think I was 14 years old. Wow. I, had run, I had run the very first Cotton Row. Okay. Um, and then, of course, you know, then I got, I graduated from high school and I came up here to live with Mom and Jack and go yes. to uh, Calhoun and UAH and started running. And that's where we started meeting is on the run on Garth Road. Do you yes. remember that? We would run uh, late in the afternoon and uh, we'd come upon each other and you asked me uh, where was I running. I said, well, I'm going to finish uh, running up this hill and then return home. And I believe that was a 12-mile loop that I was making that day. Uh, and uh, you said something, Dink, about, well, I, I don't run hills very often. <laughs> but there's something that maybe, I hope you remember this, but it was some time later, maybe uh, even uh, as long as a year later, that you said, Wayne, you recall that day that we ran uh, over there on the, uh, the hills? I said, sure do. He says, that has become my favorite run. Do you remember that? Yes, day? and you know what that is. It was... You showed me the route. It was Bel Air, Martha, Jones Valley Drive. Jones Valley Drive. And back in those days, at the end of Jones Valley Drive, you could keep <laughs> going straight. There was no little neighborhood at the end That's of correct. The, uh, that road there. And you it. came out of what is now Carl T. Jones, but Carl T. Jones was not there either. Non-existent. There, it was a dirt road, and we used to run it, remember? Yes. And then you pop out down by the theaters, the Whitesburg Theaters right there on Whitesburg Drive, and then we would run across that. All farmland out there. Through the farm. Yeah, I, I remember it specifically, but yeah, I do remember that became, became one of my favorite routes. And even today, Kevin, where do we run a lot? 
So yeah, we run a route that we call the uh, the Jones Valley Hill Fest, and we hit a lot of those same hills. It's the same. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so funny because yeah, we hit we hit those hills like I said once a week. That's yeah. hilarious. And uh, I noticed as I continued running over the years that those hills actually grew a little bit bigger and steeper. Have you been finding that? <laughs> yeah, especially Jones Valley Drive. That that one going from Whitesburg up. That one is a uh, that's kind of a booger. Yeah. Well, what's funny was Wayne was like, well, we. We, we would do repeats on that Jones Valley Drive. Yes. So then when, of course, all these years later when Fleet Feet came around, where do you think we take our training groups to do hill repeats? <laughs> Up and down Jones Valley Drive. Up and down Jones Valley Drive. But it all started with Wayne. That's that, crazy. That, that's where I learned all the hills around here. Um, and then I think when I was 17, I was running my second marathon, the Vulcan Marathon, 1982. Okay. Do you remember? You ran as well. <laughs> you remember the race? Uh, I, I will remember. And uh, I re also recall uh, as we stood beneath Vulcan to start the race that uh, I said something to you about, Dink, take it easy. This, this is a long run. And Dink, with so much enthusiasm that he had, of course, took off with a pack. <laughs> started downhill so it it was a great start to run fast and it was only 26.2 miles right uh so i did not see dink uh from about maybe a block or two after the start until we were downtown in about i would say 23 mile mark That's perhaps about right. somewhere around 23. there is dink up ahead walking <laughs> and i came by dink and I said, Dink, you've got to take it easy. And Dink looked over with a very forlorn look, and it pained him that there's Wayne Smith passing him. That's pretty good. Yeah, and he did. And you know what's funny? That was my second marathon. You know, I ran my first marathon in 2.56, so I just assumed I would be under three hours again. Oh, good assumption. Uh, good assumption, but I ended up running a 3.16.52 that day. I specifically remember. Um, still was like second in my age group because I was in the 19 and under age group and there wasn't that many people in my age group uh, but yeah that was a good lesson and you know that was my slowest marathon for probably over the next 20 to 25 years that 316 I believe it you you learned a big lesson that day Dink as this old man passes yep. you <laughs> uh, another reason I wanted to get Wayne in here on the show today or on the podcast and talk is um, Wayne, again, we're talking about things that happened when I was a teenager. Um, and Wayne's been a part of my running in my entire life, basically, for the last 43 years of my running. Wayne's been around. And Wayne gives me motivation because, how old are you now, Wayne? I turned 87 this past February. Wow. 87 years old, and how many miles a week are you still putting in? Well, it's not running now, but it is walking, and it averages 50 miles a week. 87 years still old, still walking 50 miles a week. That's great. And it's unbelievable. Wayne doesn't look 87 years old. Not even a little bit, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever been driving on Bailey Cove for Carl T. Jones, you've had to see Wayne walking. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, and you put in some pretty long walks some days. Yes, some days I feel a little better than others, and uh, the weather's extra nice, and I'll put in like uh, 11 miles, uh, occasionally 12, but 
I don't like to uh, be out there too long. Uh, I've got other things to do in life too. So, yeah. uh, but nonetheless, I will say nearly every time as I am climbing the final hill to home, that I'm sorry that that day's walk is over. I really enjoy walking out that door, getting started, heading out, and there's so many cars will drive by, toot the horn, they'll wave. Uh, I have no idea who it is. <laughs> and yet, uh, I, I suppose it's an inspiration to some people because there's a lot of people that I'll meet uh, perhaps at the grocery store standing in line and they'll They'll look at me and they'll smile as if I know them and it's the first time I've seen them and yet somehow or other I guess I've become a part of their life because they've seen me so many times and they feel like they can, uh, uh, well, they associate with me just by sight. Makes me feel good. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. That it's, is super cool. It's really awesome. I mean, it gives me, that's why... Um, Diana the other day was saying, how do you stay motivated to do this after 43 years? Sure. I'm sitting there thinking, well, Wayne Smith is 87 and he's still putting in 50 miles a week. Why, why should I not have those same 100%, yeah. aspirations? That's, and that's what I told her yesterday. I, said, I think I still got 35 good years left in I think you have. But, you know, I just want to be like Wayne. That's awesome. Yeah, like I said, I can completely empathize. That's, like I said, one of my favorite things is just the, the mini exploration we do every morning. You know, it's super fun to, like you said, throw on the tennis shoes and go and run around town for a little while. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, 1982, Lake Gunnersville 10K. Do you remember that race? Yes, I do. I recall that race. I, yes, absolutely, I recall that. So... I don't know if you remember, there was uh, a picture in the Gunnersville newspaper that, the next day. I saw that picture. Someone had it and showed it to me sometime. I think that's the reason I recall the event. Uh, it was me and Wayne running stride for stride in downtown Gunnersville. <laughs> and I think we ran about a 38-minute 10K that day. We put in some sub-40, I know that. Yeah, I think and, it was uh, about a 38th that day. And How old were you in 1982? Well, 1934 from 1982 leaves what? Well, it was sure a lot of fun. I, I can recall it being a sunny day, and that was in the spring, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in March, and uh, it was a it was a beautiful day. That used to be a big race that our gunners. It was called the um, what was it called? Uh, uh, it was a Lake well, Gunnersville 10,000 meter run, is what they called it back then. Gotcha. They, Stick Irish into that somehow or other. They have Maybe now. Maybe they called it an Irish run. They, they have. They, it is now, and the race is still going on, but it was a really big race Boy, then. I didn't realize, yes. Uh, everybody was running that. That was like a big race then. I mean, Yeah, we didn't have any more sense except to run as hard as we could rather than enjoy the thing, you know, so. Uh-huh. But I thought it was pretty neat that I, <laughs> I had that picture, and I don't know what I did with it, but we, we must have ran that whole race together, I think. I think we did, and I, I don't know why we did. Yeah, I think it was coincidence that uh, we just hooked uh, up, and the paces were about the same, um, and we were just yeah. doing the best we could. But I remember Gabby was there that day, and he defeated us soundly, as he could any time he cared to. And yet Gabby was one of those guys that he would beat you, but after the race he would talk to you as if, Man, I really had a hard time beating you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never told Kevin about oh, 
Alton E. Dickerson is who yes. he's talking about. Okay. Okay. Alton was a local post office guy, ran a post postman route, didn't he? Correct. And he was a really good runner. I mean, he was consistent 35, 36 minute 10K. Back then, everything was a 10K. There were no 5Ks. And uh, but he used to, and he lived right over by Huntsville High School across the street from the track. Okay. So, like, when we'd run over to the track to warm up, he'd come running out the front door. Y'all about to do a workout? Uh, like, yeah, I did mine already, or whatever. He oh, always, yes. real, they called him Gabby. We called him Gabby. He talked all the time. Okay, okay. okay. And, uh, <laughs> but he was a really interesting fella, and he wound up, um, did he get cancer? Uh, I believe it was cancer, and uh, it was about a, a year until his death. And uh, on Saturdays, I would uh, pick Gabby up, and we would go to Arab to a little restaurant down there, and uh, we talked everything except racing there because there were some old World War II veterans that ran that restaurant. And uh, in any event, we we. We talked a lot of stuff having to do with the military and that type thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, one of the things I remember about Gabby in particular, that he could get in the crowd and he could really bring everybody's attention to some subject and they would talk that. So we would go to this restaurant and we'd have breakfast together and uh, there was Gabby passing away essentially each week he would look weaker and all and uh, yet he would uh, we did not talk running these people didn't know what running was although we had one race a year in Arab in those days uh, and Gabby would keep everybody totally uh, has everybody's attention on him and uh, it was just a joy to, to go there. I do remember going and seeing him in his final days because uh, he lived right by the track. We went yes. to the Huntsville High Track every Tuesday to do workouts. And Gabby was right across the street, so we'd just go check on him till toward the end, and then he was just too weak anymore. But I, I kind of, I didn't forget about him. But you know, then eventually we had the Alton E. Dickerson 5K, which yes. is now the Cookie Dash. Okay, gotcha. So that's where that goes back. Okay. Um, Wayne, a lot of people, especially like I can remember running a Cotton Row run in the early days, and Memorial Day weekend is this weekend, typically would be Cotton Row. Cotton Row has been pushed to Labor Day because of the pandemic. Um, so at least we're going to still have the race. Yes. And you, when did you start doing like the announcing and everything for Cotton Row run? Well, the first year I did not do the announcing per se. Uh, I uh, helped with that and all, uh, but I mainly worked on the awards at that time. It was the second year that I actually took uh, the MC part of it and uh, continued to do that then with all the remaining years. You did it for a long time, about how many years? Well, uh, of course, we did not have the race last year and the uh, so the year before that, I did not do it. So up until that time, I guess through, what, would that be 39 events? Uh, yeah, through 2018. Yeah, yeah that's a long, lot of events. Yeah. So, uh, and did, didn't you do a lot of the same type of MC work for the Rocket City Marathon? That's correct. And when did you start yeah. that? You know, I ran the, my first Rocket City Marathon in 1981 when it, was, it started at Grissom High School. 
Okay, well, we, that was the first year we had at Grissom, wasn't it, or was it that I think it may, it, it was... We had it from the mountain two times, we started to school, that and was, then we moved to Grissom. That was 79 and, or 78 and 79. 79. Okay, so 1980 was the first year at Grissom then. And then I ran in 81 when I was 16 years old. I was announcing it that year. Yeah, and I, yeah. it's hard for me to remember, that was so long ago, and I was a kid, I mean, I was 16 years old. Um, but I just remember your voice from Rocket City for many, many, many years. And didn't you used to also do a lot of the when we were finishing Rocket City, you would be calling out everybody's name over the loudspeaker, and you were doing that as well. Yes, mm, yes, that's correct. Um, and, uh, how long did you uh, were you able to run before you turned your running into a walk? Well. I'll tell you what, you always remember your first races, and a lot of times I've heard in my lifetime, you always remember your last race. Okay, I well recall the first race, and all of so many races in between. I didn't keep records like you do and all, but uh, still I look in the trophy area and I see there's trophies, and I have to really study that thing to remember what race that was, although it had stuff written on the bottom and all that. But it really all becomes melted into your mind with memories. Now, as to the last race, you know, I do not even recall exactly what my last 10K or where it was, when it was, 5Ks, half marathon, my last marathons. I don't remember. Not a bad thing. It's not that my memory has actually gone away. It's just that it's, all that has just melted into just one beautiful memory of life, you know. That's incredible. And, yeah, and not everybody is Dink Taylor because Dink has got, like, this crazy Rolodex of every single time and race, and it's, it's, it's pretty and, wild. I think, I think yes. nor, normal folks like you and I, like you said, it's just, <laughs> right. just I kind, often of, one, wait, one I, kind I, of great I envy, running memory. I envy Dink for that. I wish that I had done that. Sure. I, I didn't. And, uh, but... The last race, you really don't know when the last race is because you go run a race somewhere and uh, then the next year you don't go back to it. And maybe two or three years later you do go back to it again, you know. And that's the way it is with, with all these running events. So you just finally miss this weekend, you don't go run, and then maybe a month goes by, you don't go run another race, and then you go run another race, and then two or three in a row and all that, and then you quit again. <laughs> And uh, it's just not that you quit because you can't do it anymore, but there are other things in life. And uh, believe it or not, your spouse becomes perhaps tired of the fact, oh, we're, we're going to that. <laughs> <laughs> Another race. <laughs> That's too funny. I, I never thought about that. I guess, you, were you one of the original members of the Huntsville Track Club? Well, I believe my actual count is number 79. 79. Uh, the club was over a year old when I joined it, but uh, I look forward to joining it. I believe uh, I ran into Harold Tinsley, and he mentioned to me about the club and all that, and I, I joined it almost right away. That was one of the big driving motor factors that made me, you know, my mom already lived up here in Huntsville. Of course, I lived in Gaz with my dad, and mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to come up here and be a part of the Huntsville Track Club. 
and Harold Tenzi's <laughs> track club because I just knew it was a real competitive club and a lot going on here. Sure. And that's what drew me to Huntsville, and that's why I'm here to this day. Is part of it's because of the Huntsville Track Club. Of course, now I've been on the board for the track club for probably over a decade. Sure. Well, I think the fact that Harold put together such an excellent magazine has really made it a cohesive group. And uh, that is a real first-class publication every time. Quite factual, very, very seldom will you ever find something that is an error in there. <laughs> Harold works hard on it. People that contribute to it do the same thing. And I, I really think that has a whole lot to do with keeping a club together. Because a, a magazine that comes out such as that, it's not just a little small publication. Mm -hmm. You know, you sit down and you'll spend an enjoyable hour reading this thing. And uh, I think that keeps us together, keeps the club I, as I it is. I think Harold is the only editor of the HTC News in this, since the beginning. That's true. And the track club started in 1976 or 77. Is that right? I think it's 1977, is that right? I would say so. Earlier than that, uh, 74. I would say more like 74. I was even going to go back to maybe 73. But well, we're about to have the 50th anniversary 70. of the track club. Okay. Think about it like that. Well. The 50th anniversary of the Huntsville Track Club. I guess the 77 years have gone by, but <laughs> yes, that's right. Were you okay. aware of that? That the celebration is going to be coming up this, yes. this fall, I think. yes. Uh, 50 years of the Huntsville Track Club. Um, and I know I've been a member since 1984. I joined in 1984. Gotcha. Um, so that's, were you born yet, Kevin? I was born in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 1990. I just turned 31, so, yeah. That just blows me away when I hear things like that. Oh, I, I was born in 1990. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so my wife is the secretary of the HTA. Yeah, his wife is secretary of the HTA. And I just, I, about every two weeks, or however often Harold puts out his, uh, his newsletter for the HTC, I go, typically go pick up the extras from his, from his garage and drive them home because Lauren keeps them in a box in case anybody else needs any extras, so... Yeah, props to, to Harold and the awesome job he does with that. Yeah, and Harold, I, you know, he lives there on Edge Hill Drive. He'd been living there since, I don't know when he lived, moved there, but I can remember going to his house in 1980s. Same house, still there. 8811 35802. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, we were on our run this morning. We mentioned Harold. Um, how old is Harold? Let's see. I th Isn't... Oh, golly, this is going out to where the world's going to hear this, but is, is Harold one year younger or maybe just a few months younger than his wife? I don't know. It's, it's... Okay, I'm going to say they're the same year. I think perhaps Harold is two or three months younger. I'm getting to the final line to answer the question. My wife and Louise celebrate their birthdays one day apart same year wow so do i dare say how old my wife is <laughs> okay she was born in 1937 so i feel sure that harold was born that same year maybe okay. july or october something of that year and harold was quite the runner as well excellent in every respect uh, I, I tell kevin when we're running sometimes it's like i can remember when i was a teenager showing up at say an 
a five-mile race down in Birmingham, Harold would be there wearing those Nike sock racers, <laughs> and he would run that five-miler in like 26 or 27 minutes, and he was probably in his 40 range then. Yes, he was one of the very best runners in the state uh, right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, he could flat-out go, um, and yeah, I don't... I don't remember how long his running career went. I know he started having back trouble when he got older. I know he likes hiking on the trails of Montesano for a long time. I don't even know if he's able to do that now. And Louise was a very, very good runner also. I can remember Louise running like a 3.30 marathon when she was yes. probably 40 years old. Right. Yeah, I mean, golly, they well, were a competitive uh, couple. They won the husband-wife award for the first marathon, and... Louise, I'm going to say, could it be 336? Does that sound that right? That sounds about right. But she was really, really speedy. Yep, and then Harold was probably running in the 230s. Close to it, yes. Right around the 230 range. Wow. Yeah. Great runners. but uh, And like I said, Harold's still instrumental in the track club today. He's Great guy. Still on the board. Um Pretty, it's a great track club. Um, I don't know what our membership's at right now. I don't know right offhand. Uh, seems like it hovers around 1,300 members, typically. I, that It's well over 1,000, yes. Yeah. Um, if you're not a member of the track club, you should join. It's, just, it's great being a member of the track club. Like I said, you get Harold's Magazine, I guess, quarterly or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are several free races you get entries to. Just for being a member? Free races. It's not even expensive to be a member of the track club. It's pretty inexpensive for, for a family. Yeah, it's, it's not very expensive. It's like $15, $15 a year. $15, $20. Well, the annual picnic makes up for that in good eating and drinking. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> and ho hopefully this uh, pandemic will be all gone and we can get back to normal things like the old. I got a lot of fond memories of the HTC picnic. Yeah. Uh, always a fun time. It's almost like a family reunion. Really was. Everybody brings covered dishes, and man, we'd do a long run that morning, and I'd be ready to eat all afternoon. <laughs> the HTC picnic. Yeah. I mean, that was just what we did. It yeah, was like, great. you know, a bunch of runners standing around talking about yeah. their runs that morning, and then, and what else do runners like to do? Well, I, I recall little things like the picnic and uh, seeing kids real little, and uh, now I see those real little kids and they're graduated from college. Yeah, that's that's, that, that that's was, even happening to me now. <laughs> yes, it will. Yeah. That, uh, there's a, something I like to share along that line as far as how time goes by. Uh, there were a lot of times over the years, especially the last four or five years that I was uh, working as an announcer for the Cotton Row Run, that people would come up to me and say... I remember running this with my mom and dad, and here they are standing there introducing themselves, and they have little kids with them. And mm -hmm. so it, it, it's kind of fun to see uh, new generations come on. But the fact that a generation is coming from, going from a little kid up on through, you know, and then they're getting married and so forth like that, it, it uh, uh, belonging to the track club over a long range of time really gives you a lot of good uh, feelings, you know, as you, because we all are a family. There isn't any question about that. Uh, 
Dink, when you went to the hospital, I wonder how many hundreds of thousands of people were trying to get down there to see you. You know, well, that's an exaggeration, but really. Can you believe that's already been <laughs> this this August the 30th? That will be nine, nine years nine ago. Years. Nine years. And I tell you, I mean, it was such a blur when all that happened. Yes. Um, or maybe it was be eight years eight. no it's nine because we i remember nine. last year we, we ran on that same date and you told me it was eight years last year so yeah i, I, I kind of put that all uh, out of my mind because um just something i just rather not think about but uh yeah that was crazy but i think running and being in good shape is probably what saved me in that situation yes uh, i had a 50 50 chance of survival uh from that stroke and the silent killer, you know, no warnings that it was coming on, nothing. Well, it was the same way with the fact I had a heart attack. I was, you know, lived a what I thought was good, clean life all the time, ran the whole bit. And then it was 10 years ago that I had a heart attack. I can't even believe that. And then, that. of course, it was the next year that the automobile hit me over here at the ledges. Mm. And uh, that really ended the running career, as that did permanent damage to uh, my right leg. Uh, I can run and I can walk and so forth, but I do very little running anymore because that right leg tends to give way. And there's no controlling it. It, it gives way, you go down. Well, I've fallen three times while walking because of it. But I would have fallen many more times if I would have been running. And as you know, it was something like it happens. It can destroy your running forever, walking or anything else. Sure. So I just said, okay, Wayne, there's no more running in your life, but you can walk. So uh, I do that uh, because of the permanent damage that was done to some nerves in my right leg. Well, I got a whole new appreciation for walking after I had that stroke because the doctor's like you can't run for the next at least two months he said but you can walk all you want right i said <laughs> really i said what if i want to walk 10 miles he said if you feel like walking 10 miles you walk 10 miles so immediately i walked four miles one day in the hospital and they the nurse was like what is going on here <laughs> And I had, they had not let me even get out of the bed for the first week. I was not even allowed to get out of bed except to go to the bathroom. I wouldn't let them put a catheter in me. I was like, no way, Jose. I'm like, I can get out of bed and go to the bathroom. I'm not laying in the bed and going through that rigmarole. So uh, I had a nurse come in one day, and she goes, you, you, you feel like getting up and walking a little bit? And I was like, they had, I, they, nobody will let me get up. She says, well, I'm here to tell you, if you want to get up and go for a walk, she says, let's go. I said, all right, let's go. So we started walking, and uh, I did a few laps around the, my little floor there. And then um, I felt so much better after that one little short walk. And she said, I'm working tomorrow. She said, do you want to walk again? I said, yeah. She, I said, how far is a mile? She said, 18 loops is a mile. Next day, I did four miles. I just, they had never seen anything like it. I just was doing circles the entire day. I took, I had my little thing with the, yeah. the drip on yeah, it. Yeah, IV bag. IV bag. I said, can we take this thing off? She says, yeah, we can take it off. I said, we're fixing to cover some distance. We're going to rock and roll. And they kept seeing me go by at the front office, and they kept seeing me go by, and they're like, 
what do you do? We've never seen anything like this. <laughs> but that all came with that history of running and move and keep moving. And uh, again, I got out of the hospital in 10 days and they, they said that was like a record. Said nobody ever gets out of here in 10 days. You know, it's minimum two weeks stay sure. for that type of stroke that I had. I was out of there in 10 days and doctor said, walk all you want. And sure enough, I, she, he said, you just can't go alone. You gotta have somebody with me. And so I had all the neighborhood moms walking five miles in the morning, five miles in the evening, five miles in the morning, five miles. I was obsessed with the walking, but it was my only time to do anything because I couldn't work or anything yes. else. And uh, all Very the, therapeutic yeah, to your mind as well as your body. A whole new appreciation for walking after, after that experience. And uh, me and Fritz even walked 17 miles one day. Oh, wow. Because... Uh, and then after that, I started back jogging a little bit, and within within one week, I ran the Huntsville Half Marathon, and ran well. And and I'd only been running for one week, but all that walking kept me very fit. Is what it did. So that's why I got a new appreciation for walking. You can maintain really good fitness walking. Well, that's true. Uh, now, I mentioned heart attack, and to those that are listening out there, you can. You can live a good life, and yet that heart can still go bad. Mine was hereditary, uh, and I would never have survived, obviously, if I had not been in good condition. I agree 100% on that. And this came about uh, that they could not do open heart surgery on me for uh, reasons that I did not have the veins in my legs that could be used for heart surgery. You'd think, well, this guy's run all his life and so forth, doesn't have the veins. They made the test two different times. No, he does not have the veins. There was no way that they could do open heart surgery. They could only do stents. And they put in two stents. And I do not recall the numbers as to the size of the stents, but I do remember that the doctor said such and such number uh, is the biggest one. And uh, they went in, and as they're doing that, I am still awake, not saying anything, but I can hear them discussing it. And the doctor said, we can't get that stent in there. He doesn't, it's not, uh, it's uh, way too big to put in there. And we'll have to use a smaller one. And this is what I told Dr. Hartley. And Dr. Hartley, if you're listening, you will recall that I said this. Put in the biggest one or don't put in any. <laughs> Which was the first words that I spoke in the operating room. And the operating room personnel came to life with that statement that I had the desire that you put the best one in there, the biggest one. Why? Because I wanted to continue to use, uh, have another good lifestyle. So they put in two stents, could not put the third in because of other problems there. And so when I got out of there, I started back to walking <laughs> within about the third day, and uh, what did I do? I walked to the top of Montesano. You know. 
Of course he did. Go bigger, go home. That was the only one. I, I had to walk to the top and stand up there and look it out over Huntsville and thank God for everything that he'd given me and for all that I could see before me. And to me, it was kind of like a, a heavenly moment. You know? <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. That is awesome. And so I, I've done that many times, and I thank the Lord that I'm able to do it. But now, if somebody thinks that they can't do it, uh, give it another thought. You can very patiently work away at something and do anything that you know that, that's humanly possible. I believe if you just have the will to do it and the patience. I agree 100%. I, I'm constantly telling people you got to keep moving. You yes. Just, you can't sit still. Um, if you sit still too long, you're not going to be able to get back up. <laughs> and I'm, I can already tell I'll be 56 next month. And um, it's, you know, it's hard to, yeah, hard to believe you've known me this long. But, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't get easier. No, it doesn't. It does not get easier. Uh, I do enjoy it maybe more now. But it doesn't get easier, uh, and that's why I can't imagine being 87 and still putting in 50 a week. <laughs> but that gives me a goal. Be like Wayne Smith. I want to keep. Uh, he's one of my motivating factors, and you know that's again. That's why I wanted Wayne to come be on this podcast today. Anybody that knows me should know that Wayne Smith has a big part of history of my lifetime. Uh, we 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 could tell stories all day uh, of the things we've been through together. Well, that's very. Very kind of you, and I think, to express yourself uh, in such a loving manner to me, and I feel the same way about you in so many respects. Uh, you and Suzanne have been a real positive motivational factor in Huntsville, Alabama, and who knows how many other cities, not only in Alabama, but other states, other countries. Uh, you're you're wonderful people, and you're very caring to everyone. And I, in the years I've known you, I I have never seen any anger or animosity towards anybody. And I don't know that I could say that about hardly anyone else. You're both really good folk, and I'm glad that I'm glad that the Lord brought you two together. Because it's been a good thing for so many of us here in Huntsville. Well, we're we're both passionate about running, and there's I'm sure there's a lot of other people just like us. We just put it into action. I, you do. I just I just realized that you can't just sit around and think about doing things. You've got to do it. Um, same reason we have Mount Miss Trail Run today. You know that race is 27 years old. Mm -hmm. Because I realized that nobody else was going to put it on. It was going to take me to get out there and put some effort in and get that race going. Of course, nowadays, there's a lot of other people putting on races, and it's great. But 27 years ago, there was no trail races in Alabama. None. Zero. So we just got it going. And, uh, of course, Wayne, you're typically part of the Mountain Mist Trail Run now. <laughs> Wayne sets up the American flags at the starting line. And uh, I guess you're going to plan on being there this next year because I think everything's going to be back to normal. What do you think? Yeah, we've we've got to have that gunfire up there on the mountain again. Yeah, we had no gunfire this year <laughs> for the pandemic year. You know, yeah. we, we started it in, in little uh, um, little waves and just everything was different. No activity inside the lodge. Just didn't seem right. No American flags. No gun start. We got to have all that back. Uh, you gonna you gonna your daughter gonna fire the gun next year? or Are you gonna do it? 
Well, our friend Bill Lynn, who fired the gun, and I want to bring Bill Lynn into this conversation because yep. he played a big part, I think, in other people's lives, too. He and uh, Bob Gustafson. Bob Gustafson sang the national anthem, uh, America the Beautiful, and several others for the Cotton Row and for the uh, Marathon for so many years, but I especially want to say the Cotton Row run. Because I, I really think of everything we've had, the Cotton Row was really the premier thing in our city that brought the whole city together. And it was always on Memorial Day, and uh, Bob uh, sang patriotic songs, Bill Lynn would fire a black powder musket, and uh, we tried to put something together that was meaningful for what Memorial Day represented. That is, all the veterans who uh, gave their life for the country. Uh, Memorial Day is not for uh, the living, to honor the living. That, that's Veterans Day. It's to honor those who have passed away uh, in service to the country. So that's why we tried to build it to where the entire community knows and celebrates Memorial Day in its proper way. That was our theme from the very, very first Cotton Row. And uh, so the whole thing that we went through was always, always centered on that. Let's honor the veterans and that way we'll also honor each other as we, you know, collectively do what we did. It was a lot of a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it's a great, great Memorial Day uh, tradition here with that race, and I think everything will be back to normal next year. Uh, it's going to seem a little strange this Memorial Day to me with no Cotton Row run. What about you? Uh, yes, but I'm I'm glad that we're putting it together the way we are. Yeah. Because yeah. okay, uh, you know we went through two generations the way we had it. Now we can start again the next two generations. None of us here are going to be the end of that next two generations, but it'll, it'll go on. I really think it will. I think but so. we've got to get it started again in, in, in its proper context and for what it was originally stood for to continue that. Well, I think it's been a good podcast today, a good kickoff to the Memorial Day weekend coming up this weekend. And um, I'm sure we're going to be out running. I'm sure we will be, yeah. Uh, no doubt. And we appreciate Wayne coming on and being on the podcast today. Yes, thank you, Wayne. And uh, good, good, good stories, good stories. And uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody coming up this Monday. Y'all keep moving. See ya. Yeah.